This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. This is our first service with, you know, the whole family together. Obviously, not everybody's here, but still, it's it's great to be all together in one service and uh and i just love it this uh you know the the new testament tells us forsake not the assembling of the saints together and that's that's uh something that you guys have got a real good grip on before we get into the message i'm going to really encourage you tonight to tune into the sunday night service on youtube and facebook um i i I did a message there that god laid on my heart that i believe is very pertinent for uh 2020 so you know I, i don't like to advertise but Seriously, you should tune in tonight. I believe it's going to be good for you and good for a lot of other people. I mean, uh, that it's about the importance of actually going to church as what the sermon's about. And you guys obviously get that, but I believe that it's, it combats a lot of false teaching that is going around in 2020. So anyway, I believe it'd be good for you. All right. Well, who's ready to get into the word of God today? Oh man, this one's been cooking up for a few weeks here. My dad and I are starting a Sunday morning series over the next who knows how long, but I've titled it this Love Riot. And you're like, what? I know what love is. I know what a riot is, but I don't know if I can put those together. Well, we're going to put them together and chances are you don't actually know uh, truly what love is because most people have a very wrong, inaccurate sense of what the word love is. You you understand it uh, in your own human thinking and your, in your own way. But the love of God, the love that God teaches us, the agape, unconditional, no strings attached love of God is not something that comes naturally to you. And so uh, we hear people say stupid things like, you know, I, I shouldn't say stupid things, but but when people say what the world needs now is love, sweet love, that is, that is true, but not the love that you're thinking of. Because the love that we think of is human love, and it says, I, I love you because you're really nice to me, so I love you, or I love you because there's a lot you could do in my life, and, and I need you to make me feel better, and I, and I feel more comfortable. That's why I love you. And so the love of God is not like that at all. The love of God says, I love you because I love you. You're a human being made in the image of God. I love you for that reason. I don't need any other reason. I don't need you to do anything for me to make me love you anymore. And so it's vital that as we approach things, as we start getting into things over the next week or two, that we begin to understand what the love of God is. And so we're going to go from a totally different angle, maybe than you've ever thought about love, than you've ever experienced or expressed love in your own life. And if there's one thing, I'm just going to be be honest and transparent. If there's one thing I really can't stand, it's cheesy generic, fabricated, fake love. Well, if we could just get everybody together and hold hands and sing, we are the world, then that would just change everything. I'm sorry, that that makes me sick to my stomach because that is a human effort to try to manufacture love for other people. And there's only one way to get true love in your heart, and that is from God Almighty. So what I see a lot of the times is people want the results of godliness without the godliness. They want the result. Oh man, I see that Christians, they live so much better. In fact, there's a whole movement within the last 10 years to start atheist churches. And you think I'm joking, but they've started, usually most of them don't last very long because there's not a very good foundation to that. But at the same time, there's, there's been a move to start atheist churches. And, and the reason for that is there's obvious benefits to Christianity. On average, Christian people that actually attend church live much longer than people that don't. Marriages of people that actually attend church, not fakers, but people that actually believe in Jesus and go to church, the divorce rate is under 10% for those people, and it's above 50% for the rest of the world. There, There are so many obvious, undeniable benefits to Christianity that people are like, oh, we want what they have. But we just don't want the God aspect of it. And I'm telling you, when we're talking about real, legitimate, the love of God, people are like, I see what that can do. But maybe we could try to do that on our own and keep the God aspect out. It will never work. And people have been trying it for decades and it fails all the time. 
There's only one true, legitimate source of agape, unconditional love. And it's not in your mind, it's in your heart. If you're a born-again Christian, it's from God and God alone. He's the only one that can give us that love. And so a couple weeks ago, we were at our Tuesday morning prayer meeting and a bunch of us were uh, were praying. OK, and so my mom brings up uh, anyway, the, long story short, we decided that we were going to pray about love. That's the topic that the Lord gave to my mom that day. And so as we're praying, man, there's just something clicked. Something happened on the inside of all of us that were there. There's probably six or eight of us there that day praying and and something happened on the inside of us and what i'm talking about is this we started we, we started saying man what if there was a revival of love now i i hesitate to use cheesy phrases and you know and just generic things but but think about that what if you know we, we've seen healing revivals we've seen joy revivals we've seen revivals of lots of things but what if just what if imagine with me what if there was a revival and awakening of the love of God amongst Christians. I'm not even I'm not talking about the heathens and the haters and the mean people. You know, they they're they need God before they can even begin to grasp what we're talking about here. But what if born again Christian sons and daughters of God really started tap because you don't need to pray God give me love if you're born again you've got the love of God in you. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so as a Christian, we don't have to say, God, I don't have any love. Just give it to me. If you're really a Christian, you've got the love in your heart. It's there. But sometimes we need to tap in to that love. And so this isn't that far fetched of a thing. But what if Christians started acting like Christians? What if Christians started being nice to each other? Whether they voted for the same person or not. What if Christians started being nice to each other, even if they didn't agree on every single last minute detail of their theology? What if Christians just did what Jesus said to do and and, and love each other? And so, again, I, I'm going to throw a verse up here. First Corinthians 16. Let's turn there. First Corinthians 16. But everything, everything that I'm saying, I can't highlight, underline put it in bold enough, I'm not talking about cheesy, generic, fake, manufactured love, putting on a show for unity. So get that out of your mind because I, I, I hear people say things like I'm saying right now and then and then it turns out it was it was just a show and there wasn't anything behind it. I'm talking about the powerful love of God himself, not something that we thought up of or something that we imagined. The love of God that Jesus himself talked about. But look at this. First Corinthians 16 verses 13 and 14. It says, be on guard. That sounds like a good word for 2020. Hey, be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And do everything with love. So I got a lot of signals there. I, I got a lot. So it, basically, the verse 13, it, it's all gritty. Be on guard. Stand firm. Be ready for what's coming. But do everything with love. And in fact, I, the, the, the literal interpretation of the word courageous in verse 13, the literal interpretation is be a man. Now, that, I don't, that doesn't sound like toxic masculinity to you or nothing, but let me just be honest with you. Paul literally wrote right here. He says, come on. Quit being a sissy. Be a man. St stick with your faith. Don't give it up just because times get hard. Have some backbone. Have some grit about you. Don't quit when things get hard. And so the Holman Bible, I, I think it translated it best. It says, be alert, stand firm in the faith, act like a man, be strong. Your every action must be done with love. And so as I've been praying this out and dad has and, and 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 we're saying god i know you've got something here that we need to hear for the end times because who believes that the end is near this isn't a sci-fi movie this isn't just something we're imagining it's literally you've got to be blind to not see bible prophecy every single day being fulfilled you would have to be literally blind to not see what's going on right now and so the end of the world really is 
closer than what you might think it is. And now would be the perfect time for a move of God to sweep across the United States, preferably across the whole world. But if I can't control all that, I can control my house. Why don't I start with a love revival in my own house, in my own neighborhood, in my own city? Too many people are worried about praying for world peace when you need peace in your own self. You need peace in your own home. You need peace in your own city. And so many people, well, if we could just get a thousand people from every county to hold hands and sing this song and light candles, that would probably do it right there. That won't do it because you can't manufacture a move of God. It has to come from God himself. And I'm telling you right now, we need a move of God in in our lives and in these United States. And so be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be a man, be strong and do everything with love. And so the, you know, the, the literal definition, a lot of people we, we probably know better now what, what rioting means than what we used than what we probably knew before. But the definition of riot is this a form of civil disorder commonly characterized by a group lashing out in a violent public disturbance against authority, property or people. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about lashing out. I, I'd like to lash out right now. Uh, lashing out against, uh, against, uh, against something that you're against. Lashing out against. And I'm thinking about that. I'm like, you know what? I'm ready to riot against the devil and his kingdom. I'm ready to straight up attack and go after the devil and the kingdom of darkness and what he's tried to do to Christians and to people all across this nation and this world. Now, back in the 90s, there was a Christian singer, okay, named Carmen, right? And some of you remember Carmen. And so I grew up in the 90s and he had this song called Riot and he said it stood for a righteous invasion of truth. And I'm like, wow, you know, hey, that's a few years old now, but I can, I can, I'm, I'm on board with that. What if there was a righteous invasion of truth to come in to your home, to your heart, to your neighborhood, your city, to the United States, an invasion of truth? Because if truth invades, Jesus said, wait a minute, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so as we were at this prayer meeting, I know I'm all over the place right now. I'm trying to gather myself. But Katie Brady, she pointed out as we were praying, she said, man, what if there was this revival of love that we're that we're thinking about, praying about here? That would be a revival in the nation of God himself, because first John four, eight says God is love. What if. This final wave, because I believe that, that the book is closing real soon, the door of the ark's gonna close and the flood's gonna come and then it's gonna be too late. But listen, what if there was a final move of God before it's all over and it was a move of the love of God, not cheap stuff, the real thing, a move of the love of God and it was a move of God Himself. I was like, mind blown. Wow. That hit me right between the eyes. And so today we're going to be talking about a love riot and some things that will take place with the true love of God. And so we're going to dig right in here and everybody in this world is searching for answers. The good news is we've got answers and it's true. God's word is true. So anyway, let's pray. We're going to dig in here. Take some notes. We're gonna, we're gonna fit a lot in today and then my dad's gonna pick it up next week and it's gonna be awesome. But let's pray and I pray this morning that your hearts and your minds are open, that you're wide awake and alert. If there wasn't social distancing, I could come shake you, but I can't do that right now. So, let's do this. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much that we get to be in church. We get to be with our family, God, back in the house. And Lord, I pray today that as we are studying your word, you will speak to everybody here. Lord, tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. God, we're not asking you to tickle our ears, Lord, but to but to shake us up a little bit and get our attention, Lord, so we can live for you because we've been asleep way too long and we're ready to do your work. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said. All right, so a few 
keys, major keys about the love of God. I'm just going to look at two things today. The first thing is this. The love of God is it's unconditional, no strings attached. And everybody likes that idea. And you're like, well, that's how I that's how I love people. And and if you've got if you're relying on the love of God in your heart, then yes, you can. But as a human being, it's 100 percent impossible to do this. In your own ability, in your own intellect, and in your own strength, it's totally impossible to 100% love somebody else the way that God wants us to love. And some people would say, well, no, I mean, I, I love my kids unconditionally. Okay, I bet you that you do. But also, a lot of that parental love, I've found out, can a lot of times be really selfish. Thank you for your holy silence. Sometimes, you know, we love our kids, no doubt, but we really love them a lot more when they're doing exactly what we want them to do. And, 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 and when they go to the college that we wanted or if they don't go to college and, and then and then, you know, I, I just love them so much. I never want them to leave the house. I never want them to be able to. And, and there can be a parental love that is love itself, but it's a selfish love because you're all you're only looking out for what you think is best, not asking God what's best for my daughter. God, what's best for my son right now? But you're only thinking about what you, and that's selfish. So that's not the love of God. And so I'm telling you right now that this is a Holy Spirit, God thing, not something that you can just conjure up within your own ability. And so this is one of the major differences between human love and agape. That's a Greek word for love in the New Testament. And and between human love and God's kind of love, huge difference, all right? And so I'm really glad that Jesus' love has no terms or conditions with it. Have you ever seen the terms and conditions on a credit card? My God, those people are evil. They are ruthless, barbaric heathens, man. They were like, oh, man, welcome to Discover. Welcome to, you know, Capital One. We love you. You're a part of this wonderful family of debt now. And, and, and man, we're going to give you 0% for nine months, for 12 months. We'll even give you this bonus right here. We just love you so much. And then you look at the fine print. You see what those scoundrels are up to. If you pay one minute after midnight on the 16th, your rate goes up to the penalty rate. And then if you pay late after that, it goes up to 50%. And then after that, and you start seeing all the stuff, I'm like, you didn't really love me. You loved me so long as I was doing exactly what you wanted me to do. But really, you're only in this for your own interest. And of course we see that with credit cards. But how many people have terms and conditions on their love? Man, I, I love you so much because you did this for me. I'll love you to the moon and back as long as you're nice to me, as long as you're doing what I want you to do, as long as you agree with me on every single detail. But the second that we don't agree on something, I hate you. I'll flip your car over. I'll torch your house. I mean, come on. It's insanity. And people wonder, what's going on? We need a revival of the love of God Almighty. And it has to start with the Christians. Man, we need these people to get the love of God. They're not ever going to get it if they're not born again. You wonder why heathens don't have the love of God in their heart. They aren't even born again. Don't worry about them. You need to start worrying about you and the other Christians. We're the ones that have the capability to agape love other people. Look at this. Matthew chapter 5. Let's flip there. Matthew chapter 5. I can already tell this is going over really, really good. So, hallelujah. Matthew chapter 5. Come on. Come on. Matthew chapter 5. Who's ready to see the love of Jesus himself in the very people that claim they want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus, man. I want to multiply bread and fish. Come on, that'd be awesome. I want to be like Jesus. I want to walk on water. Those would all be great aspects, but the greatest thing about Jesus is that he loves people and treats them right. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 43, Jesus speaking said, You have heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say, 
love your enemies. Whoa. Maybe you've read that a lot, but these guys have never heard this teaching. Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way you'll be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. And so Jesus, I mean, you probably heard these verses and you're like, amen, I get that. You've got to love your enemies. Amen. But Jesus speaking to his disciples who were all Jewish people that followed the Old Testament law. This was near. This was probably one of the hardest things for them to accept that Jesus ever said. Because did you notice that at the beginning there, Jesus said, you've heard the law. It says, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. Literally, the Old Testament law that they lived by, it was totally law. If somebody hits you, you have you hit them back. And everything has to be perfectly even and fair. In fact, you just throw this on the screen. Write it down. Exodus 21, verse 23. Here's the law that Jesus was referring to, the law of Moses. But if there is further injury, the punishment must match the injury. A life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, a burn for a burn, a wound for a wound, a bruise for a bruise. And so up to that time, Peter and the boys, everything had to be perfectly fair. If you hit me, well, then I've got a legal right. I'll just I'll just hit you back until your bruise matches my bruise. You knock one of my teeth out. Well, then I got to hit you as many times as it takes to knock at least one of your teeth out also. And then we're fair. That's the law. And so they've lived by that their whole lives. And then Jesus comes in and comes into work one day and says, guys, there's been a change. You know how we've always lived, you know, the, the rules. Always, have you ever gone into work one day and they just changed everything overnight? And you go, you go to do things how it's always been done. And they're like, oh, wait, no, we don't do it that way anymore. Especially in 2020, they probably change your work rules like all the time. Oh, no, we don't we don't wear that anymore. Now we wear this or, or no, we don't spray that anymore. Now we spray this. What, what are you doing? And so Jesus comes one day and they're like, yeah, man, we get it. This is the law. He says, no, there's been a change, guys, in how we do things now. Remember how it used to be if somebody hurts you, you got to hurt them back equally. We don't do that anymore. Actually, now when somebody slaps you on one cheek, you the new rule is you turn the other cheek. What? If some soldier comes because the Roman soldiers were very mean and tells that you have to carry his gear for a mile, I'm going to need you to actually carry it two miles now. Go the extra mile. What? Guys, you're actually, we're not going to do that uh, hate your enemy thing anymore. Actually, I'm going to tell you now, love your enemies. And I can just see them about to pass out. What are you talking about? Love our enemies? And he said, yeah, that's the new way we're going to do things from now on. That's that's the new method. That's the new that's the new that's the new law. Not only love your neighbor, but now you've got to love your enemies also. And so a lot of people, they look and say, man, I'm glad I didn't have to live under that Old Testament law. Thank God you didn't have to live under the Old Testament law. But Jesus made a lot of things pretty strict under the New Testament. Also, when he said, no, you've got to love your enemies. You have to pray for those who persecute you. You have to bless those who curse you. And that's in Luke's rendition of the Sermon on the Mount. But listen here, that word bless that Jesus used, that means speak well of. Jesus said that according to the new way of doing things, I have to speak well of people that curse me and say bad things about me. You want to throw this world into an uproar? If you want to, if you want to cause massive destruction to Satan's kingdom, start loving your enemies. He won't know what to do. When he'll send, he'll, he'll specifically send somebody into your life to give you a hard time. He'll send somebody into your life to hate on you, to, to be a thorn in your flesh. And when you don't retaliate, when you turn around and say, Hey brother, I love you. You just have a great day today. Satan's kingdom. He's going to, things are going to go berserk. He's going, what's going on here? That's not how it was supposed to go. They were supposed to blow up and cuss them out, but instead they said they loved them. 
If you want to cause some damage, if you want to cause some destruction to Satan's kingdom, start living how Jesus told us to live. Father, forgive them. They don't know who they're messing with right now. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I like the results of Jesus a lot better than I like most of our results. I like changing the world better than just making it exactly what it was. Because I believe it was Martin Luther King said, an eye for an eye just makes the whole world blind. There's no more eyes to punch. There's no more, there's no, there's nobody else to get even with if that's our only focus. But Jesus said, love, forgive, bless, do good to those who do bad to you. Pray for those who persecute you. I see this meme on the internet a lot. It says, the meme says, I don't care if you're black, white, rich, poor, tall, short, skinny, or fat. If you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. And on the surface, that sounds very good and right. But that's not the love of God. The love of God would say, no matter how you treat me, I love you. And as a Christian, listen, this is hard to, hard pill to swallow, but you don't have to treat Pastor Dave nice for him to love you. You don't have to treat Jesse or Norma or Blake. You don't have to be nice to them in order for them to love you because you don't have to earn our love. We'll just give it to you. Susan, you heard that? Listen. <laughs> Susan's got my back here. Listen, you don't have to earn my love anymore. I'll love you whether you're nice to me or not. I'll still pray for you even if you're a complete devil to me. I'll still pray for you. I'll still love you. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. They were nailing him to the cross in the worst pain a human could possibly endure. And he's saying, Father, forgive these guys. Don't hold this against them. Don't I forgive them. Come on. That's the love of God. Not some cheap kumbaya garbage. I'm talking about I love you whether you love me or not. One time this demon possessed lady came up to my dad and 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 she told my dad, "I hate you." And my dad said, "Well, I love you." And you know what that does to the devil on the inside of somebody? That just makes things go haywire because hate, you know, get man, I don't know where I'm another Martin Luther King. <laughs> hate can't drive out hate. Right? People are like, "Well, how do you fight fire with fire?" Well, I, you fight fire with water. If you want to put it out, you got to throw water on it. You don't throw gasoline or more. Well, we need to put this fire out. Let's light some more matches here. We need to, we need to put this fire out. We need to, let's, let's get a flamethrower here and torch this fire and put it. That's not going to put it out. That's going to make things worse. But the love of God Almighty that Jesus himself had and walked in, that will change things. Can I get an amen today? And so, as we look at the broad spectrum of things and, and, and world peace, which I don't believe will ever happen, sorry, but, but, as, but as we begin to look at the broader picture of things, it all has to start with you on the inside of your heart. Amen? Let me show you a verse here. Romans 12, chapter 19. Who has time for Romans chapter 12? So, we're going, we're not talking surface level here. We're talking Digging deep within, going beneath the surface. Romans chapter 12, verses 19 through 21. Romans 12, verses 19 through 21. And so, your natural instinct is to follow, when it comes to the issue of love and forgiveness, your natural instinct is to follow the old way. Well, an eye for an eye. You know, they blasted me, so I better get online and blast them real quick. You know, they did this to me, so I better I better make sure I make it even. Nobody walks all over me. Man, when you're walking in love, you are not getting walked over, brother. Amen. You are, you are a, you know, you, you're stronger than anybody could possibly imagine. Romans 12, verse 19, it says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Some of you may want to highlight that one. You have full permission. Just get it out. I believe in highlighting in your Bible. Highlight that because some people think it says, dear friends, take revenge. No, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I'll pay them back, says the Lord. And so you need to realize that if somebody is messing with a son or daughter of God, 
you don't need to take revenge. God will do it for you. And he will. It'll happen. Now, I'm not sitting there rooting for it and say, Jesus, bring the revenge. Jesus, bring the revenge. Oh, I can't wait for this. But you better recognize that if somebody is messing with a son or daughter of God, that's you, right? You're a son or daughter of God, that they can only get away with it for so long before God himself has to step in and do something. And let me tell you, there does come a day when God has to step in. And and I, I'm not saying what that is or how that happens. That's God's business, not mine. But the scriptures say, listen, I'll take revenge. I'll pay them back as long as you don't. But if you're still sitting here focusing on how could I get revenge? How, how could I? Then it's all in your hands. But it tells us to leave that to the hands of God. So look at this. Uh, verse 20. Instead, instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Who would love to see somebody that thinks they're your enemy have burning coals of shame heaped on their head? Well, the only way to do that is to love them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And it doesn't have to be poison, just something like water, okay? If they're hungry, don't lace their taco with arsenic. No, give them a good taco. Do uh, Feed them, all right? Verse 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. How do you conquer evil? By doing good. You don't conquer evil with more evil. You conquer evil. You overcome evil with Good. And so that's what we're talking about here. The love of God. The second thing I'm going to say is this is major keys, important things about the love of God. This is how you can tell if somebody's a disciple. I can't tell according to Jesus. You know, he knows a lot more about this Christianity thing than I do. So according to Jesus himself, I can't tell you're a Christian just because you say you are. I can't even tell if you're a Christian just because you go to church, though that is a great indicator because Christians generally like to go to their father's house. But anyway, uh, but uh, that's not how I can tell that you're a Christian according to Jesus. According to Jesus, the answer is found in John 13. Let's flip over there. And this is how we can tell if somebody's truly a disciple, I should say, because we've gone into depth before that just because you're a Christian, that doesn't make you a disciple. Okay, massive difference between just a Christian, uh, somebody that's converted to the faith, and then somebody that's an actual disciple. So, if you're a disciple, there's only one way to tell. And as we're going there, I'm, I'm going to share a story that I hesitate to share, but uh, anyway. So, overcome evil by good. Love your neighbor. Bless those who persecute you. So, one day about a year ago... I'm in line at my favorite local grocery store. Those of you that know me know what my favorite local grocery store is. So I'm there doing my thing, right? I love going over there. And so I'm in there, and there's some people in line behind me uh, that they weren't the same color that I am. I'll just say that, okay? And as I tell this story, I'll just also give this preface. I in no way attempt to... Uh, uh, Compare this story right here to what a lot of my brothers and sisters have gone through, okay? But I'm just sharing a story, so I preface it with that. But So I'm standing in line buying my stuff, and the people behind me, <laughs> I thought it was funny at the time, but they start saying some pretty over-the-line mean things about people of my uh, color, okay? And so but it was... I'm laughing to myself. I'm like, that's, that's pretty funny. And, and so, but then they started making it very apparent that they wanted me to hear what they were saying. And so I think they're trying to kind of get a reaction out of me. And so I'm like, oh man, I've been waiting for this. Okay. So I get up there and it's my turn to pay. And I'm like, go ahead and ring all theirs up too. I'm paying for every single one of them. I'm paying for all their stuff. And I'm telling you right then, it, their tune changed very quick. God bless you. Oh my gosh, man. Whoa, bless you. Oh, oh, wow. You are so, and so, man, we, we shook hands and all this stuff. And I, I didn't, I didn't bring up a thing about the things that were said, but I just paid for every last one of their stuff and it changed. But what if I turned around is that, and, and I'm just being honest, the stuff they were saying, it was, it was kind of funny. I was, I was laughing at it, but what if I turned around and said, man, those things aren't true. You don't know me. What if I said, do you think, do you think throwing some flames back that way would have put the fire out? No, but loving 
people and going the extra mile, man. It was awesome. It was a great experience. And I hopefully that, you know, did did some seeds and planted some seeds right there. But this is how you can tell if somebody's a disciple, if they're able to love other people. John 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Somebody say new commandment. So this is our new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So how do we prove to the world that we're actually disciples of Jesus? Our love specifically for one another. Now, it's great to love everybody in the world. That's also a commandment, and we should do that. I should love every unsaved, mean person in this world. But what really, according to Jesus, proves to everybody else I'm a disciple is if I love my Christian brothers and sisters. That's the proof that you're actually a disciple of Jesus. And so, again, everyone's praying for, Lord, we just need love all over this world. We need peace and we need unity. That's all great and wonderful and fluffy and sounds good. But we need to start with the Christians. There's no chance of getting a bunch of people that don't have the love of God in their hearts to all of a sudden magically have unconditional love for everybody else around them. That is not going to happen. But it is entirely possible for Christians to start rising up and tapping in to the love of God that has been shed abroad in their hearts by the whole. That's where my focus is. If we could just get Christians to start acting like Christians. You know, Tertullian was a second century Roman author. And if you think, you know, there's persecution nowadays, man, the early Christians in the Roman Empire, they had it. Bad. They were being thrown to the lions and, and their, and whole cities being burned and them getting blamed for it so everybody would gang up on them. I mean, bad stuff happening. But, but, but this Roman author in the second century, he wrote about how the love of Christians towards one another piqued the curiosity of the rest of the Roman Empire. He wrote this down. What marks us, because he was a Christian, in the eyes of our enemies is our loving kindness. Only look, they say, look at how they love one another. And so that was a dead giveaway that you were a Christian, is if you loved other Christians. You know, there's the the age-old question, if loving God, if being a Christian was a crime, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would would, would the police just have to pull up your, your social media and be like, Oh, no, there's no way this guy's a Christian. He's full of all hate. No, man, no, let's not bother with him. Let's go to somebody else. That was a pretty good word, right? I'm just going to say amen to myself. Amen, Pastor Dave. That was heavy. You really hit one right there. Listen, listen to me. If if it was against the law to actually be a Christian, would they be able to look at your life and say, man, this guy's a felon. He loves everybody. Lock him up and throw away the key. Or they say, uh, no, really, he doesn't have love in him at all. He actually doesn't like people that don't look like him. He, uh, if people don't vote the same way as him, he can't stand them. So th- there's no way he's a Christian. Let's just move on to somebody else. We're wasting our time here. This is where the rubber meets the road. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples indeed by your love for one another. And so, as I said, people are focusing on how to get all the heathen to to get along and, and, and love each other. We need to focus on how to get all the Christians and all the church to get along and love each other. That's an unstoppable force for God. A real, I don't want to use the word renewal, but a real awakening of the love of God that exists within us right now. And so, I'm a huge believer in taking steps in life. I don't think anybody just starts out on the top and all perfect, but taking steps towards the goal. And so how about this? If you want to start seeing a renewal of love, a love riot to massacre the kingdom of Satan, start with treating the fellow believers in your own house right. Start there. Now, we'll worry about, you know, taking care of China and, and, and Russia later. But 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 how about you start loving 
the fellow believers in your own home right. Nobody wants to hear you preach the gospel if you treat your wife and kids like trash. Amen. Say that one more time. Nobody wants to hear you preach the gospel if you treat your husband or your wife and your kids like complete trash. Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. I don't want to hear what you have to say. And so we're talking about a love riot, an awakening and a rising of the love of God within Christians. And so how about this? Start with treating your fellow church members right. Now, I don't see a whole lot of this here, you know, uh, uh, not loving each other, but but. I belong to a pastor's group online. Now I'm wondering why I joined the group, but I thought it'd be a good idea. I could get some good information. And I hear the horror stories of other pastors and other churches. And I'm like, whoa, dude, wow. We have it really good at High Desert Word Center. I mean, the, we've got it really, really good. I hear the stories. Man, these people are fighting about this. Now this is going on. Now they want to kick me out. And I'm like, you're the pastor and they're going to kick you out of the church? My gosh. There's horror stories out there of these other churches that I had. I mean, I've been I guess I've been shielded from it. But there's some mean stuff out there amongst Christians. And so I think about it this way. I've got natural relatives that live all over the United States, all of, you know, maybe the world, but at least all over the United States. But then I've got relatives that live within the same house as me. I love everybody. Right. But. It's the same way with my Christian family. I've got brothers and sisters all over this world, and I love them just as much. But I also have Christian brothers and sisters that live in the same house as me. I'm talking about this building. They're in the same house of faith right here in Barstow. And I want to treat everybody right, but I especially want to focus on those that are right within the exact same household of faith that I live in right here. By this shall all men know you're my disciples indeed by your love for one another. And so we're talking about baby steps. You got to start with, as we said at the beginning of service, loving yourself in a healthy way. But the next thing is loving your own family the right way, loving your own church family the right way. And I'm going to say, if you've got somebody else in your community that's a Christian and you know it, you need to start showing extra love to them. They sure got quiet in this church. It's only 11.15. Come on, somebody. I'm saying, if you've got Christian brothers or sisters out there, it is your duty and your obligation to show the Christian love of God to them. That shouldn't be that far-fetched of a thing. That shouldn't be an edgy topic to address. That's just the fact of the matter. We are commanded to not only love everybody in this world, but to especially focus on our Christian brothers and sisters. Paul said it this way in Galatians. He said, whenever we have opportunity to do good, we should, but especially to those of the household of faith. And so... In the ancient Roman Empire, what really stuck out about these crazy Christians is their love for each other, their common brotherhood amongst themselves. And then Jesus said the same thing. Everybody will know you're really a disciple by your love for one another. And so what I'm saying is this. You know, everybody loves a good citywide love hug fest, holding hands and and, and singing and all that stuff. That sounds really nice. But let's start with some baby steps. You need to start stirring up the love of God within your heart. You need to start stirring up and practicing the love of God within your heart. And what I'm talking about, I say it again, and I say it boldly, I'm going to say it in cursive right now, I'm not talking about some generic, manufactured, cheesy, man-made idea of what love is. I'm talking about the genuine Bible, Jesus, love of God, where I you don't have to treat me right in order to earn my love. I love you anyway. You don't have to give me money for me to love you. I love you anyway. You don't have to follow this, this, this and this. I I just love you anyway. No strings attached. And and just like Jesus, there's nothing you can do to make me love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make you make me love you less. That's the love of God. Think about that. Even when we've been a real scoundrel, he loves you just as much as he did at your very best moment. 
And Jesus said that we're to love others as we have been loved. And so I'm reminding of us of all this today. And again, we're going to study this more in the weeks to come. We're going to take a deeper dive into a lot of this stuff. But be ready and start praying in your heart. God, I, I'm, I want to stir this up within me. I'm tired of, 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 of just being the way that it's been. And I'm going to tell you right now, I, I promise I'm coming in for a landing here, but Christians have left their job in the hands of the government and politicians for decades. Well, if we bring this guy in, he talks about unity. He'll bring unity. It was all a lie. Well, man, if we have this, this, and this, and we do this, this, and this, then there would be love and unity. It's all been a lie because Jesus never told the Christians, get the right guys in and then leave it all in their hands, and then they can bring about love, unity, and kumbaya to everybody. No. He said it's our job to do it. And so, amen, that deserves a, that deserves a little, listen here. Listen. If we want to see a move of God right before Jesus comes back, right before we hear that trumpet and those clouds break open and we see Jesus standing in the sky literally with our physical eyes, our faith will finally be turned to sight at that point. I've been trusting Jesus is real this whole time, though I've never seen him. But there's coming a day real soon when I'll finally see him. My faith will be turned to physical sight. If there's going to be a move of God before that day actually comes. Listen, it's not going to be up to whoever the president is or whoever the governor is or whoever the mayor is or whoever the whatever is. It's going to be up to the Christians to rise up and say, man, every single one of them fails at this. We better take our job back. Christians, quit being lazy and start doing your job that you were supposed to do in the first place. And then we'll start seeing a move of God that could actually get us somewhere. Can somebody say amen today? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Let's stand up together. And so today is just scratching the surface. And again, we're talking about a move of God and changing the world. But the first thing you need to do is change yourself and change your own family. Okay? We're going to get to, you know, the rest of the world. We're going to get to them. We're going to get to them. But as we're going to kind of start winding down here in prayer, I want you to examine your heart. And if you could be honest, which I hope you could be, because you can fool me. You can sometimes even fool yourself. But you can't fool God. And so... If God has been speaking to your heart today, tugging on your heart, trying to get your attention a little bit about, hey, you know what, you you could improve in this area. Just, you know, I don't like to ask for a show of hands, but if there's anybody, anybody in here that's already perfect in their lovability, I just want to give you a massive high five right now because I'm not there. I've got some work to do. If there's anybody in here that, you know, none of this applied to you, then congratulations, you are a real champion. But the reality is every single person in this room, every single person watching on the Internet, every single person listening to the podcast later on, you've got some work to do. You are not there yet. You have not arrived. And so my prayer is this, that that as God was speaking to your heart today, that you're not going to be so hard-hearted that you say, "I know, I mean, I'm, but I'm not going to. I'm not open to. I'm not open to changing anything." My prayer is that your heart would be softened and that you would say, "God, here's my heart. Work on it, fix it, help me out here. I want to be like you called me to be. I want to be who you're asking me to be." And so, I'm going to ask that you raise your hands right now, and I'm going to pray over everybody here. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for what we've seen in your word today. And Lord, we know that we've got a long way to go. We've just barely scratched the surface on this topic, Lord. But I know that you're trying to get our attention right now. Lord, you're trying to you're trying to wake us up. You're trying to do something right before you, you tell your son Jesus to come back right before you tell Jesus, OK, get on down there and get him, Lord. You're trying to, to stir something here. You're trying to make something happen. And so, Lord, I pray that for the Christians gathered in this building right now and for everybody else that's listening, God, that we would submit, that we would not be so full of pride and arrogance 
and stubbornness to say, yeah, well, they did me wrong. But we say, you know what? I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to go the extra mile. I'm going to stand for what's right. But I don't have to hate people. I don't have to do the wrong thing. Lord, work in our hearts. And we thank you for an awakening of the love that is already in these hearts from you. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some praise today. Amen. Amen. Well, we want you guys to know we love you. It's so awesome to be back together, the whole family under one roof. It's been a remarkable Sunday. And I want to remind you, please, I I believe you need to tune in tonight on Facebook or YouTube for the 6 o'clock service. I believe it will... Uh, educate you a lot on some things that you already believe regarding the importance of church and being a Christian. And so uh, go ahead and do that. And again, in the coming weeks, lots of great stuff going on, guys. We're going to have that Holy Ghost Praise and Worship Night on Sunday night, July 12th. It's going to be absolutely awesome. And as we start to close out here, Desiree and Ray Leon are in the back there. We are going to be ordering the Barstow Faith Confession t-shirts. Who thinks that we could use some of that? Amen. In fact, uh, Kathy, I don't know if you're able, but I've got two pictures on there of what the front of the shirt is. Do you have that? Did I give you that? Okay. So the front of the shirt is going to say Barstow is blessed. Hashtag. Then the back of it is going to be boom. There it is. The beautiful Barstow Faith Confession with the HGWC logo at the bottom. So just imagine you're in line at the store, somebody says you smell bad, but then they read the shirt, then you turn around and pay for their groceries all at once. Who thinks that sounds awesome? Come on, somebody. So uh, those are in the back. You can go ahead and uh, as soon as I get a sufficient number um, signed up, then I'll place the order and we'll get those in. We'll order extras because I'm sure some of the other, I know some of the other churches are going to want some. So it's going to be awesome. We're going to flood the city with this and uh, we're going to take Barstow even more so over for Jesus. I'm going to remind you also of what our theme verse for 2020 is. Because maybe some of you forgot since we haven't been together for a few months. But Proverbs 11.11 in the Message Bible says, When right living people bless the city, it flourishes. Evil talk turns it into a ghost town in no time. So we're right living people. We're blessing the city. And I say in the name of Jesus, our city, our town is flourishing and Barstow is blessed. Amen. Who's ready to speak some words of faith over Barstow? We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 